It's Friday night, everybody. You know what that means. It's Friday night. Let's have some fun. Let's get together and play a ton. I'm Matt. And I'm John. And we're... Friday Night Games. Exclamation uh. mark. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we're awkward. two board games. Wait, wait, Matt, 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 Matt. Enthusi. <laughs> I got a question for you. Yes. Have you ever read the book Yellow Waterfall by IP Standing? No. What about Rusty Bed Springs by IP Nightly? No, but I peed myself. <laughs> <laughs> well we're two board game enthusiasts who uh intellectual properties consist of a tortilla chip and a ball of yarn or maybe some like belly button lint get it ip <laughs> intellectual property that's what our show is about today <laughs> on today's show we're gonna dive into the world of intellectual properties in board games our thoughts on them what makes a great game with an IP, and if any we've played have fell short of that IP. We will highlight our playthrough of Scooby-Doo Escape from Haunted Mansion by The Op, as well as a neat interview with Ross Thompson, who is from The Op, on how they acquire their licenses to produce the games they create. We might just geek out on something after. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, or in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) So when I initially thought of the concept of IPs and games, I looked at it as if it was like a big gimmick. It is. Yeah, but it you, is. See, you see like when, when you, you go around stores and you see like, for instance, like a child's toilet seat with like Batman splattered off it, all over it, or like... I like um, how this, this reference comes up to you because you have kids. Right. Or Spider-Man on bananas. Spider-Man on bananas. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I always think of when something is branded with an intellectual property, I'm like, okay, why are they trying to sell me this thing? But when it comes to board games, I feel like I'm sort of drawn to it. I know I have always said from the beginning, like, hey, I don't like IPs. I don't like IPs. But then you look on my shelf, there's Jaws. <laughs> there's Batman Talisman. There's it, Evil Below. You love IPs. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You're, you're like hooked on IPs. And I know that's not only from your board game collection, but from your personal tastes in comics, your personal tastes in television shows and movies. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but then like you look at everything that's available, especially like with Monopoly and all that, how they've got so many branded monopolies and clues and stuff like that too. And I think, you know, is it really worth it to get all these get these games with these brands on them? And I just I think some of them, you know, some of them that I've played have been really good and some that I have have not been very good either. Right. To me a lot of it has to do with how much energy is put into the game. You take Monopoly, you slap Batman on it. Did you change anything about Monopoly? You know, and that's the real question. But on the other hand, Monopoly is very accessible to a lot of people, and it's recognized by a lot of people from any age group and any demographic. And that's what makes these branded games really, really right. And they're collector's editions too. True. Yeah. You know, in fact, I was at dinner with my folks the other day, and they're questioning me what happened to their 40th anniversary Monopoly, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Jay took it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no, who knows what happened to it? But it was interesting that they even brought it up, right? But they know grew not they grew up with Monopoly, so they know what it is. So it's easy for them to recognize it. Nice. So I'm I'm gonna dig a little deeper. I actually had the same question about why IPs are so popular when I went to Gen Con 2019, and when we were there, we're kind of looking into it to analyze the environment of We're just getting immersed in board games. And I noticed that there was things that were drawing people to those booths. And those things had marketing appeal. Yep. So either it was like a really famous company like Stonemaier Games releasing Wingspan at that time. Or it was something that had beautiful art. Like I picked up Shipwreck Arcana because it was probably one of the most beautiful art pieces I saw there. Or they had some sort of branding to it. Well, you picked up Sinister Six for me. Exactly. And a lot of people were picking that game up people are picking it up because it had the branding on it, right? Or at that time also Disney Villainous kind of took off and people are picking it up because the Disney brand is so popular with all sorts of ages. You don't have to be eight. You can be 58 and still appreciate that branding, right? Those factors were huge. And so every game has two things, right? Presentation and gameplay. And most games, the gameplay, let's just be honest. If the gameplay is awesome, then it's really 
hard to sell it without that presentation. If your presentation is horrible looking and doesn't have a lot of effort into it because you're just a designer and you put a ton of effort into the game, it's hard to sell it. Or vice versa, when you put all the effort into the presentation of the game, right? And you put no effort into the game itself. Well, that might sell quickly, but it'll fizzle out quickly too because people won't want to play. Right. Right. And so like, for instance, Aeon's End is a good example of the opposite. It's an amazing game. When it first came out, it looked ugly. It looked like 2002 CG graphics for each character. (laughs) It looked terrible. But the gameplay was awesome. But it finally like picked up the games from 2016. But in 2019, they released the legacy version, redid a lot of the art. and And then it took off. Cool. So like it makes sense. Right. Monopoly is a good example. Like you know, when, when when we were kids, they branded Monopoly without changing rules about it. So, you know, you might have had, like, the Simpsons Monopoly or Star Wars Episode One Monopoly. Nothing. Yeah, I think the one I had when I was a kid was uh, Disney Monopoly. Right. It was, yeah. just, it was just Monopoly. They didn't simplify it. It was just the same game of Monopoly with just Disney-like characters and theme, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of games when we were kids, do you remember the first game you played that was an intellectual property? I do. It is the... <laughs> I had to look it up. I couldn't even... I had to research it because I had no idea. It's called Simpsons Don't Have a Cow Dice Game <laughs> by Milton Bradley. Nice. Yeah, it was It was like a dice matching game. It had like gambling elements to it i don't i didn't re-look up the rules but basic idea was you roll a bunch of dice and you bet on if you're gonna get like three leases or four leases and then they had these like don't have a cows and those were all wild okay you're competing everyone's trying to bet to get the most money i remember i was good at was it. it like poker kind of with dice yeah yeah, yeah. no it was, it was it was it was actually yes it was totally like poker and dice nice i was good at it i was really good at it it taught me how to gamble at the age of six nice <laughs> Um, I don't know if you remember this game, but the first game I remember playing that was branded was the Jurassic Park game, also by Milton Bradley. Well, Milton Bradley was the board game (laughs) player back then. No, I don't remember that game at all. So this game was actually, in my mind, I feel like it was amazing, but like reading it, it wasn't that amazing, I guess. But it was a giant board. Probably it was like probably almost about the size of this table. And like, you know, the table is pretty large. And the goal of the game was to get your characters from one end of the island to the visitor center. That was like a 3D cardboard thing all while i try not to be attacked by dinosaurs so the dinosaurs are actually really cool dinosaur minis so there's velociraptors dilophosaurus and a t-rex and you would roll a dice and it would tell you how many characters you can move or it would tell you like what dinosaur has to move and then you had cards that you had to like manage your hand with and and use to play players did you have like characters so like every character had a different set of cards don't remember sounds like the raven's burger game i played oh it might be that might be just like a re- rehashing of it yeah yeah um, it totally sounds like the Ravensburger game we played to be honest with you it could be but yeah that was the first game i remember and i remember what what was funny to it funny about it to me was the dinosaurs actually never killed the character oh really it just sort of like stomped on like uh jumped on them and then kind of held them there until you were able to move the dinosaur again so you like you never actually died which was kind of funny like oh i have a t-rex but he's just like kind of Holding, holding me down by my pant leg. Oh, you you <laughs> died in the Ravensburger version. Okay. Maybe they made it a little bit more adult for actually, us adults. Now. I actually just pulled up the game you're talking about. I mean, obviously, it's completely different. But yeah, yours yours has like a like a path you follow. Right. It's like a dice path. Yeah. It's kind of neat. I mean, it's it doesn't have very good reviews now. Like, I think it's only on Board Game Geek's only got like a 5.2. But I mean, I haven't played this game since I was like... 93, 94, what is that, 9, 8 or oh, 9? Sorry, did, did, you, did you say it's by Milton? It's just like Jurassic Park the game? Yeah. It looks exactly like, <laughs> it looks similar. It's not exactly the same, but it looks very similar. You're trying to get to like a helipad to get out of the park? Uh, you're idea? trying to get to the visitor center. In this yeah, yeah, yeah. Area. That's exactly the same. They must have remade it or they must have just yeah, took the idea. I should have bought that when I saw it in uh, Chicago for $6. Jurassic Park the game? Yeah. Uh, the oh, the Robbins Burger. Yeah. Well, I mean... I definitely want to play this old version. <laughs> yeah, good luck. It's I probably... wish I still had it. The only thing I can find I have, re- I have remnants of, I, I have the die that you use for the game. That's all I have of the game. What'd you do with the rest? Do you eat the rest? I don't know. <laughs> Just like, nom, 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 nom. But yeah, actually, the old game looks like you can buy it. Yeah, for like hundreds of dollars. Yeah, I can't actually find the one you're referencing. <laughs> so I know that we played a couple games that may have fallen short on our expectations especially around theme with that license that's attached to it so a big part for me like if i'm playing a game that is branded and licensed towards a specific intellectual property i expect it to immerse me in that universe 
you know, when you take a look at games like the Talisman Batman, where you're playing as the supervillains trying to get to the control center of Arkham Asylum, playing that board really, yeah, you know, you're going to fight the other villains because you don't care. And Batman comes out of the shadows and attacks you in the game. Uh, or like when we played Jaws, where it was like oh, that's literally. The I'm gonna Jaws say movie. Jaws was very successful. Yeah. In my book, it was it was a really fun game. It's cool because it's like a two part game too. That game sort of like level set IPs for me, right? Definitely for me, Jaws kind of hit a new level with IPs. You're like, this yeah. is what you can do with IPs. Good luck trying to hit that level with any other game. They're they're trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they are. They're literally trying to do that. Every every company's trying to do that, right? If you can take Star Wars and you can market it with a game like X Wing right. or Armada, and you can make a lot of money because you can appeal to not just a board game crowd, you can appeal to a bigger crowd than board games. Right. Do you remember any that we've played that didn't quite meet our expectations? Top of my head, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that Jurassic Park wasn't as good to me as Jaws. Okay. And it was interesting. Ravensburger was like Jurassic Park came before Jaws in their whole movie creating thing. You know, they're killing it with villainous at the time. Yeah. But it just didn't like it was a good game. Like it was decent. But when I played it, I'm like, yeah, it's decent. It's decent. It right. just isn't as great of a game as it could be, you know? And, and I and I played some other games, too, that weren't as great. For instance, Sons of Anarchy. Yep. I didn't really like that game all that much. I just found it, like, a slightly more complex version of Risk. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, like, anything special to me. Do you remember when we played Firefly? <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. I played two Fireflies. So I played Firefly Legendary, which I actually did enjoy. Yeah. And I think that had more to do with the Legendary license than the Firefly license. And then we played Firefly the game, which to be honest, I just, we played it with too many people. Right. And, and, and even still, like, you know, I was talking to Bill and he said he, you know, he's played it with a couple times with two and three people. It's like, oh, the game's only three hours. And you're like, oh, (laughs) the game's only three hours. Right. Which includes setup rules and everything. And you're just like, that's a long, you know, that's a long time for just a game where you're just going and collecting item packages. Right. (laughs) That's like the premise of the game. A game that sticks out to me, and I know that we played it and we enjoyed playing it, was The Shining. So when I think of The Shining, and especially because it's branded for like 17 and older on the box, I think. That's Prospero Hall. Prospero Hall, yeah. For what the game is, I feel like it could have been a little bit more on the horror side of things. The premise of the game is you're one of the uh, caretakers and you're trying to, you know, not go insane, being witness to all these hauntings and horror images or whatever. You know, there's there's a cool trader mechanic in it and all that, but I mean, for it to be branded with such like a high profile like horror movie and novel, I feel like they could have done a little bit better job. Maybe making it more like the movie or the book, like where you're actually, you know, Danny and, and Mrs. Torrance, you know, trying to escape Jack Torrance or whatever, and having on top of that dealing with all these like horror images and stuff that you're you're seeing as well, right? But it just kind of fell fell flat on the theme for me yeah like i said i thought the game was okay yeah when we played the shining it was it was fine it didn't blow me out of the water and i think the whole mechanic was just you're just moving around the board collecting items to not go crazy mm-hmm. i don't know it just wasn't it didn't stand out in any way right but also like i don't feel like the game has to have production value to stand out but nope. it just didn't it didn't have a ton of production value in it but like for being a game about the shining i you know it didn't have as a lot of movie characters and stuff like that Right. But it wasn't bad. And maybe that has to do with the licensing. Probably. Yeah, you can use the font or like the, the carpet from the hotel, but you can't use any images of the actual characters. It's very possible. Right? I don't know. That's what's interesting about IPs too. Like who has their hands in the pot when, when these games are being created. Right. And it's a, it is really a giant meeting between, you know, here's this game we made and does it fit the license? Right. And when you have that, those two trying to merge, there is a, it's hard, like they have to fit. And if they don't fit, it's not going to, you know, you're not going to enjoy it. Right. Right. Whereas like, you know, Jurassic Park, the theme was Escape the Park, just like the movie made sense to me. Well, I think it's a good time to bring up a game that we played that I think nailed the theme extremely well. (laughs) Yeah. So that game that you're referring to that really nailed the license is Scooby-Doo Escape from the Haunted Mansion. The game was provided to us by Ross Thompson from The Op for preview on our podcast. We will try to keep it spoiler-free as it's a choose-your-own-adventure game, but the story and outcome is the same for everyone. The journey of the game is not. And just as a note, we were not paid for this preview slash review at all. Yeah, so 
We're going to totally keep our opinion unbiased because of that. But I do think that this game actually really, really nailed the Scooby-Doo theme. So Scooby-Doo Escape from Haunted Mansion is designed by Jay Cormier and Sen Fung Lim and Cami Mandel. And the artists on the, on the game is Rob Lundy and Rick Hutchison. And again, it's published by the op. Very simply, the game consists of a board that is revealed as you play. It contains the whole cast of Scooby-Doo, and each character has specific interactions they could do with the board that help you generate evidence to be used to solve the mystery at the end of the game. At the end of your adventure, you will have to solve the mystery from the selection of suspects. The game takes 10 minutes to learn, plays over 3-4 to four hours, and is excellent for two gaming sessions of 2 hours. Yeah, Scooby-Doo, like, since it was a choose-your-own-adventure game, what was cool about it for me was that you didn't choose one character and roll with it. Like, we could all manipulate a character if we saw something that, hey, maybe we didn't do this with this person or this person could do it. Because they all had, like, specific things they could do. Like, Scooby would smell stuff. Shaggy would eat stuff. Right, and all that was just several booklets for each character that you just pick up. Yeah, And then you technically you take the character number, add the number on the board, and that gives you a section to look at. What was really neat for me was that it actually felt like I was inside a Scooby-Doo episode. So things that happen in the game, you're like, yes, that would happen in a Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> like the interactions, I don't, and we don't want to spoil anything, but like your interactions with each character and the board, or items on the board, was exactly like a Scooby-Doo episode. Right. In fact, at one point, we're like, "Wow, is this these some of these characters are like, what is this character even meant to do?" <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I felt Shaggy was like mostly useless the entire game. <laughs> but in the if you think of episode, he's pretty useless the entire episode, right? But on a, but on a really funny note, he actually provided a lot of humor too. Right. If he was useful, he was useful. But if he was useless, it was humor. Right. And it was really cool. And like, I liked how when you're playing, you start off with, I think it was it a foyer or like a main room of a house and you build this mansion as you go along and you just try every character to interact with everything to see what fits. But the problem with doing that is you don't want to get things wrong because it will affect your score at the end. Right. So you have to be really careful on what you choose to do. So you have to really make sure like, hey, will this person actually interact with this the way you want it to because i know there's one part that bill was reading the the part for us and i think i think i had fred do something and it wasn't right and we lost some points we lost a scooby snack oh right you want to try to complete the game without losing the scooby snacks so you can earn the more points especially if you guess the mystery at the end as well yeah it was a lot of fun and what i also liked about it and i really haven't kept up with scooby-doo in my adulthood i used to watch it when i were younger i think you did too right yeah i think the last thing i remember watching from scooby-doo was the movie scooby-doo on zombie island but what i liked about this game was daphne wasn't like a damsel in distress she was actually very she was actually probably like the most useful in the entire game which was kind of like a flip for me. And I was like, wow, it's actually really interesting that she's, the character's not like, I'm being trapped. And, <laughs> you know, come rescue me or whatever. Like they like it is in the cartoon. So that was actually a really cool twist that I, I really enjoyed. Obviously it's an adventure sort of game and it could be compared to Cosmos adventure series games. I thought it wasn't as complex mm-hmm. as those. So with Cosmos, you're playing it over three acts, which each one is like two to three hours. It's like eight hours total. This, it was, it had a nice little feel to it that it was only two at like two sections of two hours and i didn't feel rushed at all no and i think like we really took our time playing it i bet we probably could have played it in a short amount of time but i think we just were trying to explore everything as best we can and i know that we kind of played it we had a group of four and then it whittled down to us us too (laughs) so you know people can't stay late or whatever on, on game night some days but i think once you and i started playing it was a lot more fun for me because like we were both just like really yeah I, I, I feel like your your group has to be into it it was also interesting to compare with the adventure series just because the adventure series has so many different paths you can do this one was very specific to the past not that it's on like rails meaning that it's going to be like a certain order of things but it just seemed like you know you're in an episode of scooby-doo how you get to that end it's not as varied as the adventure series where the Correct. ending could be a million different endings whereas in this one it's very specific guess the culprit right ending right so that's that's what it was and i actually kind of like that you know what the end goal is once you evolve in the game you can kind of start picking up what's going on and then it kind of narrows your focus focus down so but 
we didn't guess correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it, was, I, it was funny too because remember, I think didn't you say you forgot the very beginning intro? There's like an intro paragraph. Oh <laughs> yeah. So this is why you never get John to read the rules because I actually am a skimmer and uh, I was like, and then I was like, I didn't read the paragraph that uh, starts the game, set up the game, <laughs> sets the game up. And like, you like, entered the thing, and then I'm like, yeah, because we're just like we started. I'm like, well, why? Where is everybody? I'm like, oh, I guess this is just what it is. Yep. <laughs> and then, and then when, as once we finished, I went back and I'm like, John, you forgot this like whole page. It's like page one. It's all dialogue. <laughs> it's all about how you're missing these characters in the beginning and so forth. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, well, is this how you guys feel when I read the rules or? I just proved that I'm not the person for the. <laughs> hey, at least I attempted. No, thank you. I do. I do appreciate it when <laughs> I, I had two game rules that that night. I so. will. I will admit that I do like it when other people read the rules. <laughs> <laughs> not that I want to sit there and complain. I just it gives me a day off. Right. I'm. I like. I said. I like to to play to learn. Anyway, so back to this. Back to Scooby Doo. Um. Yeah, go buy it. I definitely recommend it. There is one thing that I didn't like about it. It has a higher price point. But but there's a workaround for that. And that is simply once you beat it. Because, you know, unless you're going to play it five years from now and you forget everything, just give it away to someone. Yeah. Give it away to someone. Like, play it, enjoy it, and then give it away. Because the components aren't... You don't cut them up. You don't destroy them. Yeah. You just put them back in their envelopes. So it's actually like a cool game like that. Yeah, pay it forward kind of game. Yeah. So. That's it cool. Is. I agree with that 100%. So like like we said, this game really hits the nail on the head for Scooby-Doo. And, you know, we don't want to spoil what happens in it, but it really does feel like you're in a Scooby-Doo episode. The dialogue, especially you, you have friends that can, like, do impersonations and stuff like that. Not us. You'd be like, oh, I can do a mean Scooby-Doo. Oh, can you? <laughs> you didn't do it, though. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you didn't do it on, on when we were playing. No, because there's the two of us. Hello, Raggy. Oh, that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> I can't do that at all. That's about it. So I can do it. Cool. Yeah. Good, man. You proved me wrong. So if you have someone that can that can do it, then all the power to you. Especially like the dialogue that Shaggy has is pretty pretty funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, like I felt Shaggy was totally he he was like useful for like one thing. I found the he entire, did he did or one, two two things he was he useful did two for. things really well. Yeah, everything else not so well. Yeah. <laughs> the characters are set up nicely for their personalities, and like I said, Daphne's character was really played out really well in this really game. Really well done, yeah, right. Cool. I think uh, the creators of the game did a really, really good job, and I'm actually super stoked because they're the same creators that are creating that mind management game that I'm super jazzed about that I backed on Kickstarter. So you can't see John dancing, but he's very he's very dancing right now. So thank you, Ross, at the op for giving us Scooby-Doo to play. We're very thankful. So thankful that we wanted to interview him to learn about this whole IP process. So you're going to hear a little bit of the interview, and you're going to learn about how the op creates licensed games, some insight into Scooby-Doo, and some info about Clue. Oh, yeah. Super cool. Super cool. Yeah, this this interview was really, was really cool. With us today is Ross Thompson from the op. Thank you for joining hey. us. Glad uh, to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks again uh, for sending us Hughes and Cues and uh, the Scooby-Doo uh, Escape from the Haunted Mansion. That was really awesome. We really appreciate it. Yeah, cool. I'm glad we could do that. They're all super fun games. Yeah, we had a lot of fun playing them, <clears throat> especially uh, Scooby-Doo Escape from Haunted Mansion, although we might have not solved <laughs> the mystery. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was really. I found it tough. I don't know if you found it tough, John. Yeah, I found it. I found it a little tough. We we finished it, uh, but Matt sort of convinced me to pick someone else at the end. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I didn't convince you at all. <laughs> you agreed with me. Yeah, <laughs> but it, you know, yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but it. Uh, I I went with like the old Scooby Doo um, uh, equation. Go. And uh, it didn't work out for me. So it's the old white guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of fun playing it. I actually really loved when it came down to the end and we got to choose who it was. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, I wasn't paying enough attention. So I don't know why you're listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so our topic uh, today is about IPs and we have a lot of questions for you, Ross, that we'd love Wait. for you to answer. So we're just going to throw them at you. You ready? So go for it. All right, cool. 
So uh, we noticed that the op partners with companies such as Hasbro and sometimes uses your own game licenses. So Clue, for instance, or the Rising series. Um, and we see that you pair them with intellectual property like, uh, say, Scooby-Doo or The Office. Can you explain a little bit of this process and give us some insight into it? Yeah, totally. So that's that's kind of our bread and butter, right? Like we're really good at being the partner for licensed games where uh, brands can come and uh, brands will be, I'll refer to that mainly as game engines and game things, and then licenses and IPs like movies and shows and so on. Uh, we've been doing that for our entire time. We've been a company for over 26 years. Um, the, the first Monopoly game we ever did was a uh, San Diego edition Monopoly. Nice. Uh, funny enough. So, um, which had its whole thing, and we used to, uh, all the spaces were different um, businesses and places in San Diego, and that had a lot of intricacies of having to license each, each space to a location and do all that. Um, and it's funny, like I've heard Tony explain that whole process, and that for all the work we do now with IPs, I would rather much do what we do now than have to go around different companies and try to get them to buy a little space on Monopoly board. Um, but it's, it's funny how that all evolves, right? Because we do stuff like with Clue, you brought up earlier, there's a Clue Monopoly on all the Hasbro brands. Um, and it's really cool that we get to do that because we come out with a, a large number of Hasbro classic co-brands a year with uh, Clue, Monopoly, Jenga, um, Risk, um, Yahtzee, right? So those are a lot of like our, our super fun ones that we get to do. And essentially, we'll have the different games that we want, different lessons we want to go to, and we'll work with Hasbro on which ones, you know, back and forth we want to make happen. Uh, and then from there, um, we'll either, you know, reach out to different uh, licensees and, and see what we want to make happen. So sometimes there's really cool options that never make it to the table. You know, and so we have a whole team internally. That's kind of their job where they uh, get to decide and figure out what our business development is going to be. Are we going to go focus on these things and do all that? But that team is focusing on stuff two or three years down the line, too. Wow. So wow. they'll go. To, so, the, yeah, so they'll go to a lot of like the Disney. Disney will hold big summits showing off what their plans are for the next two years and Marvel and Star Wars and Warner Brothers and all those companies. They, they've got people too that are here's what's down the line for two to three years and so we've got people on our team that have signed ndas that are like textbook level stuff you know and they're going down and figuring out what we can work on um in regards for that which is super cool so, so is there a lot of like understanding the trends and then getting into like ips that might be trending up or like investigating those popular i don't know oh totally yeah but yeah that's that, that's a big part of it right and so it's i mean it's why one of the things i really enjoy about being at this kind of company is i love consuming stuff right and we're at a point right now where there's an overload of things from streaming in movies and well, i guess now it's mainly just streaming because we're watching it from home <laughs> You know, right. uh, <laughs> I haven't been outside <laughs> in months. months. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what year is it, right? So we all know that, but um, it's like the idea that, like, you know, we, we all these different IPs from movies and shows and all of that. And so it's interesting to see what kind of stuff will actually make it. And so we really don't like getting suggestions through our social media because people used to be like, oh my gosh, you need to get this because we can't take that, obviously. Um, which right. everybody is happy to share all their different stuff. <laughs> right? Uh, lately yeah. I've been doing. If, if you been... if you want Friday Night Games as an IP, <laughs> we're we're selling it for a dollar. <laughs> so well, funny enough on that too. So we do a whole corporate side to our business, where if companies want to come in and have a licensed game, we can do that. Nice. You know, so that's that's a whole other side. We we have two people at our company, and that's literally what they do. So like like we do LA Lakers Monopoly. Last year we did a whole thing with Snap On Tools. So Snap On Tools did a Checkers and a Life and a Yahtzee and a Clue and a Trivia Pursuit. You know, oh, so and then they so had cool. those available for different stuff there. You may have seen it out in the wilds. I may have one right behind me, but we did a, a Code Names Blizzard. You know, so Blizzard came to us and wanted to do a Code Names oh, game, and oh, that's awesome. lucky. Um, that's like my hero. That's so cool. <laughs> oh yeah, and and they just wanted to do it for like an employee appreciation thing. So, like, I think one of the cool things that we are is like we have this huge rolodex of partnerships that we have from Marvel, Disney, Star Wars, Warner Brothers, you know, Fox, you name it. We've worked with them at, at one point or another, and so being able to kind of find out, hey, when are these IPs? 
going to be hot? When should it work? And especially right now, because there's so many other companies that are kind of getting into that space with a million Marvel games that are out there. And Funko's been jumping more into that. And Ravensburger's been doing that too. It's it's kind of cool to see that like the licensed game that used to be kind of a dirty word, yep. you know? Yeah. And, and now we've seen it over the last few years. I think everybody kind of refers to Battlestar Galactica as kind of that one where it was like, this is the holy grail of licensed games because it was so hidden. It worked really well with the show. But even like in this year alone, you know, like our Scooby-Doo game, like you guys just played it, like it hits it, hits it on the nose, you know? Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. It really does. <laughs> I actually felt like I was in right. an episode playing it. Just like <laughs> yeah. everything that happens. Um, I don't know like how much we're going to talk about or what we can talk about because without spoiling the surprises in the game. Yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, I'm like, oh, I actually feel like I'm watching, you know, like uh, Scooby-Doo, like on Zombie Island or whatever that movie was. <laughs> and like just the stuff right? happening. And I'm oh, like, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny too because when when Sen submitted the, because uh, Sen Fung Lim and, and Jay Cormier designed the game. Yep. Um, and when they submitted their episode or, or the, the game, like the story, and we submitted it to WB, WB came back and was like, uh, was this one of our episodes? <laughs> we're like, no, it was submitted by Sen. And they're like, uh, this is spot on, right? Oh, that's so. cool. That's cool. So they definitely approved it right yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when you're making a game like Scooby-Doo uh, and Escape from the Haunted Mansion, how much control does the op have in putting its own spin on the game or making you know adding maybe some unscooby-doo like things in there so um i think one of the things that i like referring to us as that most people wouldn't really get it but we're kind of like protectors of the brand right and when we kind of we are kind of gifted this opportunity to play around with that license on in tabletop media Right. And we've done stuff from like Harry Potter and Star Wars and Scooby-Doo, for example. Right. And so we have to make sure that we are still staying true to what the story is while at the same time being able to help tell that story on the tabletop. Um, and not every license can translate as well as you'd like it to be. You know, believe me, we've we've had some deep brainstorms where it's like, can this IP work with this brand? And it's like, this isn't going to be a good game. So we got to figure out how that works, but there's some that go really well. And so like with, with Scooby-Doo, for example, it was just a, a match made in heaven. You know, we, we know we wanted to do a, a, an escape room game. Sen and Jay were like, well, with Scooby-Doo, which Sen is a huge Scooby-Doo fan. So like going to him was the right call, you know, and they, the way they fleshed it out and WB is, is a great partner to work with. If they're going to hear this or not, but they're awesome, right? So, and being able to to do all that, and so it's back and forth. Where mainly most licensors have a product manager that is essentially kind of like their lore keeper, right? Um, you may have seen that Games Workshop was just hiring for a lore master, uh, which is just like that'd be the coolest job ever. You know, they're like, I, I, you know, I don't know if I like and, that. That sounds stressful. <laughs> like it's you got to remember, <laughs> gotta remember yeah. everything, right? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, Critical Roles just, just just promoted one of their internal people for to literally be the Critical Role lore master for all their stuff. Because as you start licensing out and giving more companies the opportunity to kind of play in your space, you've got to make sure that all this stuff stays in. And so while we can totally pitch, hey, we want to do this totally random thing, you kind of got to make sure that you're still staying within those boundaries, right? Freddie's going to do certain stuff. Daphne's going to do certain things. Um, but it was really like send. So we ran these, uh, we did these panels for the op at home. So for comic con online and for gen con on at home, we did these, um, this op at home thing where I recorded a bunch of panels with designers that work on our games and our internal team. And we talked about all this different stuff And Sen and Jay were talking about how, uh, with Daphne, you know, they wanted to make her more how she was later in the in the series where she was much more competent and less damsel in distress, right? So she was a problem solver and worked more with the team instead of always getting captured. So the yeah. Daphne that he wrote was a much more, like she's going to use and, inve and investigate, right? And, and do these things instead of just get captured and hang out until Freddy saves her. So doing that was a way where they were like, this is really cool because now it, it gives, 
You know, that's a way that in the story that we could do that. Now, on the flip side, you know, Harry Potter is very strict. You know, yep. our license is to the movies. We have a way that we do it. We work within the structure of each of the films. And while we can tell some fantastic stories, everything has to stay within the guidelines of of those different things. So if, we, if you look at each of our Hogwarts games we have from Hogwarts Battle to Death Eaters Rising to Defense Against the Dark Arts to um, Harry Potter House Cup, they're all within a certain story of Harry Potter. I guess Hogwarts Battle kind of plays through each one individually, right? Yeah. But they're all within their certain stuff. So like our, our Death Eaters Rising is right at the beginning of Order of the Phoenix, right? Because there's Voldemort, he's racing at the Death Eaters, so now you can get Dumbledore's army or the Hogwarts staff and the different Order of the Phoenix characters all together to do that. But later in some of the books, some of those characters may not be around for certain reasons, right? right. So how do we do that? Um, also, some characters can't be killed, right? You can't kill off Pikachu, right? <laughs> so, uh, how does, so how do you tell a story that does that, right? Like you're not going to be able to see us do a fighting game where it's one punch man, right? Like now, cause one punch man defeats everybody with one punch. So I thought a very compelling tabletop game, right? So how do you make that in a way that, uh, can do that? So that's kind of one of the fun things that we get to play around with is figuring out how to tell a story while keeping within the license and still make it a compelling game. Nice. Yeah. There's, there's two games that come to mind, uh, that you guys do that I think does the brand or the licensed justice. And that is the Batman talisman game and it evil below. Oh, both good games to call out. Yeah. Nice. I will let flesh know that you're calling out it evil below. Man, he worked <laughs> so hard on that game and that game was so cool. There's so many strong beats we hit with that. Yeah. Um, I'll just jump right into it. Right. Cause like, so with it evil below, that's one of those things where if it had come out now, it would not have done as well because the film wasn't out. Right. right? So that was able to hit right when the film hit, which was super cool. We had a launch right at Comic-Con for it, and we did a whole activation with the licensor. So even minus the game by itself, our marketing beat was on point, right? Like we hit the right stuff and all of that, which is super hard to, to make happen. Yeah. Uh, and then the thematic of that game, it's a jump scare. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. you know, and you're legit frightened that you're going to die on that next card flip because it's going to be a Pennywise, and then you're just like, well... <laughs> That sucks, you yep. know. So. That's, that's basically how our game went down three yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we when we played when we played the first time, I think we we missed something in the rules, and it, and we were that's like, really hard. "This game is really hard. Like, we can <laughs> we are not going to be able to beat this game." And then yeah. and then we kind of reread the rules again. We're like, "Oh, I think it was something we can kind of work together." And we weren't we weren't doing that at first. I th I I feel I feel like that's what oh I'm you gotta be, you gotta you gotta co op you, you gotta you gotta double up some of those things because the healing ability on there and then bugging around Pennywise so he's not picking on a lot of your weaker characters and then the bicycles are super huge so there's so many different things where it really plays into that kids on bike stuff and even though you're just rolling dice and doing things there's a lot that's into that you there's know so pretty intense strategy if I remember correctly yeah so, it was yeah, yeah it was pretty cool but I just remember just being like because I got it for uh my niece bought it for me for my birthday so I wasn't like super sure what it what it was and I played. I'm like, holy shit! This game is so good. Like, it was. Just, I was just like, I, yeah. I felt like I was in the movie, you know, and and it was great. So, oh, totally. It, it definitely gets you once you realize after that first Pennywise card comes out and you take some damage, and you're like, oh, we are in this now. <laughs> you know, it's it's a big thing. I also love the box on that game. Oh, yeah. oh it's uh, the translucent red balloon is just. I love pulling up me and like, I'm in a balloon. <laughs> so it's all. <laughs> I also like the marketing on it too. And, and whenever, whenever, whenever we would post yeah, something, someone would always put the red balloon in our like. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's kind of the fun thing with playing around with, with licensed games too is you, you get to double up on a lot of that big market spending because like we're not going to pay for that emoji icon hashtag, but the licensor sure is. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and then, but then Batman too, like that. So it's fun because Talisman's just a cool brand. Like it's been around for what thirty years. You know, and it's and we all know it, and it, it's kind of fun because like the op, like we've done Monopoly, Clue, Risk, and all of that, and within that same spectrum of classic games, it's Talisman. It's essentially Adventure Monopoly, right? Yep. You're rolling a dice and moving around a board, but it's a double Monopoly board instead of just the one. And 
it's got so much cool stuff in there. And I think when we, like everybody has, they're like, um, oh, talisman's incident in a table flip or we get so aggravated. Well, it's like, cool. Well, how can we figure out how to change that a little bit? Right. And so changing up the theme with it, we definitely sped it up because now the game goes like three hours, maybe two and a half. If you're, you know, jumping along some of the different ventilation shafts and there's more cards that allow travel, which is cool, but not being like being the villain, especially right now with DC is just hot. Oh yeah, you know it's 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 fun. I love playing with Mr. Freeze in that game and just melting people. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Like I liked that it was dark, and I like that you can be the villains, and especially like the one like the one spot on the board where where you like have to drug the inmate or something like that. Yeah. I, was yeah. like, I was like, holy crap! Like that's dark, but I'm like, well, that's what I like about DC, right? They're not afraid to do that kind of stuff. And totally, yeah. And that was a fun one too. Um, and like, you kind of to your first question, like, how much can we play around with stuff? So all that Arkham art, that was all brand new Arkham art because there really isn't a lot of art for Arkham. Right. Like, there's the video game stuff, sure, but we didn't have the video game license, right? We have a very specific style, so we had to get a bunch of that Arkham art done. Um, and then for our graphic designer, she had a blast just Harleying up all the different cards in the in the spaces because it's like she just went and doodled with a sharpie yep. you know so that was super cool and wb loved that and then kind of putting all the cards as the clipboard like you're the warden getting checked and that kind of stuff was really cool but then how do you put batman in there and so you kind of take the reaper expansion which was one of those things and you put him as that mechanic made for a really cool like okay now we can still move batman and do these things uh, and it played for a good IP, you know, and it's very brutal. Like Talisman can be very PvP, but you don't really think about it too much. But when you're all of a sudden when you're the villains, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go kill him. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that happened in our game, actually. <laughs> yeah, because we, we, we have one uh, gamer who plays with us all the time. He's just he always does like the random things like he's like, oh, you know what? I want to play the game this way. I'm just going to, you know, make it horrible for everybody else, which is fine. It's like really fun. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I know I notice a lot of the a lot of the times whenever you have like a game like you know Clue or Monopoly or some like Talisman, you'll change rules. What is the coolest rule you've ever got to add or change to make a game like take it to another level? So that's a really cool question, right? So um, I'm gonna I'll be telling a story of things we have done because Pat Marino is our lead game designer and he's been the one that's really gotten to do a lot of the rules changes on that but i've been on enough panels with pat where he's told some stories so i'll be okay for this question <laughs> um but uh on the marketing end one of the coolest things we've done i think was our breaking bad monopoly this year was we were able to make the the red bar on the monopoly brand blue and crystallized oh um, how'd you do that so if you look at the uh, <laughs> we we did it, and then we asked. We were oh. like, hey, look at this thing. What do you think? And they were like, oh, it's really cool. We're like, right? So it's, uh, Two thumbs up. Switch <laughs> it. Well, and it's it's weird because, like, some, like, they're very protective of how the Monopoly brand, as they should be, right, for yeah. all these different things. Um, but I love some of the Monopolies that we've gotten to do. Like our, our Garbage Pail Kids Monopoly that we did, we got to bring back the original Garbage Pail artist, and he did a whole new board. Cool. Uh, our cover for that right and i was like hey we should put a print in this thing which we didn't end up doing but i would have loved if we would have just had a print of the monopoly thing as the garbage bale kids like we could have sold that for 30 bucks it's fine absolutely you know <laughs> yeah, but it's cool so like with our risks I, I think risk is where like we can go the most with kind of the rules change stuff uh, our dnd clue did a pretty good one too because last year we came out with a fifth edition dnd clue uh, which we we had done a 3.5 DD clue, so it was kind of cool doing the new edition for it. And that one released the same time as they were coming out with Descent to Avernus. So DD clue tied right into that. And essentially, what we did was we allowed a couple different things. Essentially, because somebody on um, your party was killed and a demon has taken its place. So oh, you cool. need to find out who that is. And we have these spots on the board that if you go onto it to investigate and you roll, you can die and then be possessed by another demon. So wow, that that's amazing. so if you're that's wrong, cool. right? So that totally adds a whole thing there. We have a little bit on how you can pretty much take this clue game and make it a small encounter for your D and D game too. Very and cool. kind of like how you would plug in your own characters and do this kind of stuff. So that's kind of some cool things we've done with that, which is fun because Hasbro and D&D were like, oh, we could do this, this, and this. And it's like, yeah, we totally can, right? So let's do that. But for our Risk games, uh, we've got some fun ones. I think 
because we've done um when i first came to the op the first thing i i had to work on was uh we did an mcu marvel risk which was a helicarrier and you're playing as like shield and iron man and captain america and hydra and you're trying to take over the shield helicarrier but then on the, at the same time there's a hulk meter on the side and as more combat happens, the Hulk meter goes up. Okay. Right? So at a certain point, then the Hulk will pop out and then just start wrecking havoc all over the board. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's pretty fun. And then we did a Call of Duty Zombies risk uh, that essentially was a giant Call of Duty map where you're working as the different Call of Duty factions on the risk board. But then at the same time, zombies are rolling in, right? So you've got to fight off the zombies whilst trying to take over the spaces. Um, but I think one of the coolest ones that we've done for that would probably be, so Pat got to work on Rick and Morty Risk. Um, <laughs> oh, geez. That sounds like a, yeah. you could do anything, basically. <laughs> I, pretty much. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's, and, you know, and their whole Rick and Morty team, they're a blast to work with. They love getting involved because they're big gamers over there, too. So uh, they've got all these different things. Oh, we can do this, we can do this, we can do that. Um, so it's, it's fun. So it's got a lot of, it's, it's still risk, but at the same time, like it feels like a tabletop miniatures game almost, you know? And so I think it's one of those things where, you know, I even, even risk the newest edition of risk has general cards and uh, cards you can do and different pushes you can do. Everything isn't based off the old 1950s Roman numeral version anymore. So there's all these cool things you can do. So while we all hear risk and I think, Oh, it's risk. It takes 10 hours. It's like, we're a modern company. We want to apply a modern license to it and make it a fun experience. Yeah. So being able to do things like that has been really fun. We did a Godzilla Jenga this year. It came out. <laughs> yep. And it's got the, the awesome Toho Godzilla on it, but the tower you build it in is Godzilla. After you've built it, you pull him back a couple inches away, and then he's got a flame blast that you can put into his character. And then after each draw, depending on what happens, you push him closer. So you have to hurry to play Jenga before Godzilla gets to the building. Well, that's cool. I haven't heard of this. This sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, it's, like, it's fun that we kind of get to do stuff like that. And another uh, another partner, I kind of thought about in the Rick and Morty stuff. Uh, let's kind of go back to your first question, like how much do we need to play around with stuff? So I think another great partner that we need to work with is, is the Bob's Burgers guys. Um, oh yeah, cool. So we've got Bob's Burgers Clue, we've got Bob's Burgers Monopoly, we've got Bob's Burgers um, Family Food Fight, which is a playoff our Astro Trash game. Yep. And then we came out with the Trivial Pursuit too, and they love getting involved to the point of where all the games we have with them have all original art. Oh, that's so awesome. All oh, the Bob's. Cool. So if you're into Bob's Burgers and you like Bob's Burgers stuff, pick up our Bob's Burgers games because they are Clue for that for them is literally all new art. It, it, it should just be an episode because it has them all dressed up as the characters. Oh, that's cool. All the, it's got the whole, you know, building, but they illustrated the whole thing, you know? So it's kind of fun when you get to play around with stuff like that where they're involved, they want to help tell the story and do these different things. Makes me want to go buy all these uh, <laughs> clues and uh, monopolies now. Yeah, well, it's it sounds really cool. I like the fact that they're all different. Have you know little tilts on them and stuff. I wanted to try out the it clue. It's good. It's creepy. Yeah, it's it's got some little steely down a down a uh, whole thing. I can I think like I'm a big Warhammer guy. I always bring it up right, but I've got like Warhammer wrist right here, right? And so it's just it's it's the right mashup, you know, where it's hey, you're gonna play Warhammer 40k you know, on a risk board, right? So. Uh, it's fun, but I, I, one of the things having, like, I'm a, I'm born and raised gamer, right? I played D&D and Magic in high school and war games in college, and then now I get to work in, in, in games. And it's funny because, like, everybody's like, oh, Monopoly and, and Munchkin and, you know, Risk and Clue. They're just all these classic games. There's so much better games out there. And it's like, you're right. Like, there are a lot of really cool games that are out there right now. There's a lot of good games. 5,000 games come out a year. You know, you can find a game that you want. But I think what's important and what a lot of people don't get, especially in our hobby, is that everyone's a gamer. They just don't know it yet. Yeah, right. Right. And so when someone asks, oh, you play games and they say Monopoly, that's because that's all they know. But it doesn't mean that that's a gateway game. It's just that that's a game they enjoy. That's, that's a you beginner know? Like, game. I played, you know, like, yeah. it's like, it's like us, you know, I'm a big Nintendo guy. It's like going from like Mario 1 and then going to like Mario Galaxy. 
Right. Right. It's hard. Yeah. It, you kind of, in my mind, you actually kind of need to play Mario One before you can enjoy Mario Galaxy, or you aren't going to get it. Right. Like it's, and it's the same thing with like all they know is Monopoly. So it's like, okay, yeah, you're right. But here's a cool take on it. Oh, you like that? Oh, you're going to like the next version and you're going to like this more advanced game that we're going to bring out with similar Monopoly rules, but not. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's really cool. For sure, right? Yeah, and it, it's it's neat. And it, it's kind of, as we're discovering right now, like D&D is blowing up, right? Yeah. Role-playing games are popular. They're cool. Like we got celebrities that are actively playing them, you know, and sharing, oh my gosh, I painted this miniature. Like Henry Cavill just... Painted up his like Forge World Space Marine guys he was painting during quarantine, right? And everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, he's the Witcher!" And he paints miniatures, and you're like, "That's great," you know. And so as more people are finding these games, because for a long time there's been this talk where it's like, "Oh, there's a bubble, there's a bubble, it's gonna pop, and no one's gonna buy any more games." And it's like, "Well, if we keep selling to the same ten people, then yes, yeah, right." But also, like, there's so many more people that want to know about games, and they just don't know. Like, look at Target. There's like 75 games on Target's shelf right now, and half those games are on on the board game geek hotness list. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. So at that point, now regular mom and dad and kid are walking by. Look at that, going, oh my gosh, there's a super cool game, and you're like, that's a game, yeah. you know, and you're gonna take it home and you're gonna play it, and yeah. it's not gonna be like a Jumanji or a Catan based thing. It's gonna be some of these nerdier games, and it's gonna be cool, you know, because at the, at the end of the day, like, Fortnite has become a take-home name now, so people know what that kind of stuff is. And the more that we can play these games and get more people out there, the more that we're just going to have a good time. Because, like, I hate that we have gatekeepers that are like, oh, Monopoly is this, is this. I'm like, look, when a grandma walks into a store and she wants to buy a game and knows her kid likes it and sees it clue, she knows clue, and she knows her kid likes it, so she's going to buy it clue. Now that game store has made some money and she's going to have a decently cool gift. So but it's, it's, it's fun too. Cause like, I think about, was it nine, 10 years ago? That was when tabletop came out. Right. And we had Will Wheaton playing a lot of these like foundational games with celebrities and that changed the industry. You know, oh, yeah. like I know everybody's doing, there's board game content now that's coming out and, and there's new channels all the time that are doing great. And it's, it's really cool. But some of that first stuff, like no one would have guessed that, those tabletop episodes would have moved the numbers of code names in Munchkin that, that they were, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. that got Target interested in Walmart and Barnes and Noble interested, which then elevated this, which then now got publishers making more games, which then gets more games into retail shops and then gets doing all of that. But it's because more people are finding about games, right? And especially during quarantine times, like we've all been at home. What do we do? You can only watch The Office rerun so many times. You know? <laughs> so, right. That's true. Yeah. You can only really watch the first seven seasons anyway. So It's true. <laughs> then you, you got to go to the British version, but that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a fun question for you. What's your favorite version of Clue? Oh, so um, that's a good question. I'd probably say I... I love our D and D version. I've played it probably the most, um, but I've, I, I, I've probably already mentioned them both here. But it, it's probably going to be the Batter Bob's Burgers. Um, I just because I just love that it, it was designed so well um, with the with the license uh, mashup. Uh, we've got a couple new ones that are in the works that are coming out next year that are pretty cool. So um, nice. I'm really excited for that. Put them on a radar. Um, then. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's, and and like I I know like I work at the op and everything like that. So like obviously I'm going to promote our our classic games, right. but like don't don't knock them. You know, like like it's it's it, there's a lot of really cool things that are coming out with a lot of these things. And what's fun and important to realize, which kind of goes into your other questions too, you had earlier, just because a game has been licensed to a clue or a monopoly or a risk does not mean that it's been shut out of having other games attached to it. Mm-hmm. Right. But because it's a brand, they, we can just license it to the clue. Right. So that way that it can now it can be clue. Obviously, we did another it tabletop game with it, but that that was a little bit different. Right. So the way that we can that's why there's so many Marvel games right now. Right. Because all these yeah. different companies can get the Marvel tabletop license to do these things and do all that. Um, but without getting too deep into the weeds and explaining how we do our business, what you should look for is seeing how different companies do their license schemes. Because if certain games have 
uh, certain licenses have multiple game companies making games for them. Look and see what kind of games those are. Is it a card game? Does it have a board? Are there miniatures? Is there dice? Right? Those are and see how things are different. And that way you can kind of figure out who's got like the primary license and stuff like that. It's, oh, it's cool. kind of a I obviously like I could break down and be like, oh, here you go, but that's not I, <laughs> Well I, it, so my question yeah. came from uh at work, like, you know, people at work know I, I do this as, as my side hobby, right? And there's just funny because they're like, uh, have you ever played uh, Clue the DVD version? <laughs> I'm just like, uh, no. They're like, you don't know board games. Don't talk to no. me well, until you play Clue the DVD yeah. version. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I got to research well, this game, right? Like, yeah, well, Hasbro, I mean, Hasbro makes a lot of those things too, right? And Hasbro Gaming, they do a lot of their stuff. And, and they're going to come out, you know, with as many clues and monopolies as they're going to do. Um, and that's great. You know, because um, they they can they can reach levels that are beyond what anybody can even dream of, because that's just what they do. Um, but I, I like that we kind of get to make the Hasbro games for the specialty audience, right, and the, the hobby audiences. We get to do a lot of those. Yeah, and I think it's that way. I think it's cool because the person who said that um, the person is like ten years younger than me. Um, yeah, they're in their tw- early twenties or mid twenties or something. And it was just kind of neat because they said that. And I'm like, well, I grew up with a different version of Clue. So it's just kind of like, hey, that's kind of neat because then you'll see like, you know, okay, that was popular for them. So they'll obviously want to purchase a Clue that has an IP associated with it that's similar to the DVD version, which I mean, in this day and age, you wouldn't have a DVD. You would have like, you know, an app version of it. But right. it was just interesting, like having that perspective of someone, right. you know, because they're, they're not like, you know, they're not into games, but every, everyone in their life is going to play a board game at some point. That's my belief. Oh, yeah. yeah right. So, I mean, you're going to go over to somebody's house. They're going to have cards against humanity. Oh, probably. You're going to do that. Right. <laughs> and then you're going to be like, oh, well, we have that, but also have you tried code names. Right. But also at the same time, though, like it's, it's good because like, just like in video games and other industries with movies and stuff, like things change and evolve. And that's, that's a whole thing that we go about with, with licensed games too, is sometimes, you know, like, like we have to be aware of, Hey, this license is doing really well, but at the same time, like has the creator done something that we got to be aware of and we got to watch these things and do that stuff. And especially in 2020, you know, everything is very sensitive in a good way. I'm glad that we're coming out and being upfront about, Hey, we need to take pride in the things that we spend our money on. Right. Um, and we need to hold these people accountable to what they're doing, um, which, but that's not a thing that a lot of people are used to, and they're really not. You know, like and I know board games, we're particularly sensitive because we're like keeping our spaces very safe, and we've had to deal with that for a long time, um, especially because board games and gaming in general has been a place where people that have normally been outcast or whatever go to that, but we still got to make sure that those people are not overly creepy and shower like we always had that joke for forever oh you got to bring deodorant and shower at a con but like going forward if we even have conventions going forward but if we do in the future like we gotta like i think there's been so much conversation lately about how do we make our spaces safer and doing these things that whatever happens in 21 22 23 we're gonna have better events you know and it's gonna be good i agree i agree too I, I and i've always said like since i think since this year like the world's changing and it's, it's doing what it needs to do. It's going to be a, a rocky start and a rocky way to get there, but it's going to get where it needs to be. And especially like, you know, I've got two young daughters at home that I need to help navigate everything going on with this. So, I mean, you know, I just look to them and be like, you, you guys have to have to change. You're the change. Right. So. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I could, I could happily talk about this for the next 30 minutes. I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> But uh, what, what, I, I will say that what's what's cool now, just on this really quickly, is if you want to find safe spaces for your hobbies in the industry, they're there, right? I, I've been diving deep lately on the Once Games Workshop came out with their statement earlier this year about how you will, you'll be missed and all these things like that. The Twitter community for miniature gaming, for war gaming, has stepped up. And there are so many cool women and people of color and just rocking out in this space where you're like, here, if you want to paint miniatures and do this stuff, you can make it happen, right? In board games, we've done that too, and the whole thing. So, as you know, I guess it kind of we can move it back to the classic games kind of thing. Like, no one needs a gatekeep, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. We all want to get people to make this stuff and do things, and it's going to be a good time. I will. I always roll on like the board game group or the board game uh, geek Facebook 
chats when someone's like, oh, Monopoly sucks. And I'll always be like, you know that those, uh, <laughs> I, I use the grandma analogy, I'd be like, you know, th- those those games keep your mom and pop shops open. So they before do. you knock them that, <laughs> yeah. it's like, they have a whole wall of USA Apple product for a reason, you know? So, You're right. You're 100% right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us and giving us some insight on uh, how you guys deal with intellectual properties and, and licensing. So that's really awesome. Glad to be on. Thank you for having me on. And I will say, like, if anybody wants to ever pitch us games, you know, um, you're welcome to do that. The op, you, the op, we Apple, we're always taking game pitches, um, especially for, like, if it's a licensed game too, that's all good. We'll be, but just the way you pitch it, just we have a whole form on our website. Check it out, follow it. Um, Cause we're always looking for new things and stuff like that. So um, be sure to look us up, especially right now. You know, it's hard to find us at a show. So um, if you, if, if this has inspired you to, Oh my gosh, I want to do a licensed game and figure that we have a whole team. Um, so just took us up on there uh, and that's really cool. I'm really glad you could come on. You guys have a great podcast and a great channel. So I'm glad I could be, be part of the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Wow. That was a very enlightening interview that we had. Thanks again, Ross, for coming on and sharing some insight. It actually got us excited about some things that we're going to geek out about right now. <laughs> What games are you excited to play that are licensed, John, coming up or maybe already out? Okay, so there's two games that I've always wanted to play, Mm -hmm. and they've been on my list for a while, which is Horrified. Is that an IP? 100%. Is it? Yes. About what? Dracula, Frankenstein... The Mummy, all those guys. But but though, but doesn't Unmatched have those? People? Yes, all those guys are Universal monsters. They are licensed by Universal, owned by Universal. So Universal owns Frankenstein. Yes. Or like, is it like Frankenstein of Horrified? No, it's Frankenstein, like from the movie Frankenstein back in the day. Like, uh, what was his name? Uh, I want to say Bela Lugosi, but that was Dracula. But, well, there uh, you go. That's another there one. There you go. <laughs> so Universal owns all those themes. Like all all the new movies have come out, like Visible Man. And I know they want to do like The Mummy, try oh. to reboot The Mummy and stuff like that. That's all owned by Universal. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. So how did a match get the licenses for that? I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure. Wow. We didn't. I don't know if they're. The, I don't know if time. it's branded as a Universal Monster. Oh. Horrified is specifically branded as Universal Monster. Gotcha. Zip. I should say monsters. Yeah, I had no idea that that was an IP game. It didn't. It didn't seem like it to me. It didn't to me either, and that's what that's what's interesting for me. And that's why I was like, oh yeah. And then sat down to play it, but I was in a uh, board game cafe, and the noise wasn't jive with me reading the rules. Okay. Right. So, what's the game about? Just give me a quick um, synopsis. You are a. Are you a monster? I think you play as. You play as like someone in the town, I think, and you're supposed to do like certain tasks but uh, monsters also come out and like they attack and they try to kill you and stuff like that no that's cool i don't know the full premise because like i said i didn't really fully get into the rules but it's on my list of games to get sit down and play because i hear it's fantastic two-player game and i hear it's a fantastic you can play it solo i think that is why i want to play it i hear i hear it's really well done and halloween's coming up halloween's going up and my birthday Well, you have a you have a giant (laughs) birthday list then every i feel like every episode you're like and my birthday How many presents you need here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so in Horrified, you take the role of a character from the town that you're in, and you're trying to rid the town of the the monsters, of the creatures. They they play a role in, like, got their own set of rules that involve attacking and doing stuff like that. So So, depending on who the character you play. It's characters versus the monsters. Right. Gotcha. Oh, that's cool. Well, what's the other game? It's Wonder Woman Challenge of the Amazons is the next one. You know, I'm a big DC fan, and this this game always just sort of drew my eye. The only thing that's really drawing me from not getting game is just the way the board looks. Like, I don't think the board looks pretty. It's just like a map of Themyscira, but it's got a bunch of, like, white boxes text boxes text boxes and stuff like mm. that so that's what's drawing me away from it you're playing as characters from themascara amazon's themascara you're trying to defeat cersei Ares, and cheetah i think are the three bad guys you have to fight and basically they recruit amazons into their army and you have to try to stop that from happening and they have like different objectives that they have to get in the game it just seems really good and based on some playthroughs and reviews i hear that it's a pretty decent game Cool. I have two also. Well, three, I guess. First one is Marvel Villainous, but unfortunately, it's really hard to get in Canada. 
so we'll have to wait for on that one. But that game obviously excites me because we were big fans of Villainous on this podcast, and the Marvel side of it would be really cool for me. Yeah, I think what excites me about that game is the shared fate deck. Right, yes. which is different than the regular Villainous where everyone has their own fate deck. Right. So that's really cool. And then the other thing that I was actually pretty hyped up about after the Ross interview was Monopoly and Clue because he was telling us about these different versions of Monopoly and Clue. And I'm like, yeah, I would love to play Take monopoly clue risk and put a sweet twist on it right you know make it non-monopoly make it non-clue make like there i think it was he's mentioned like a rick and morty version of one of them and i'm just blew my mind i'm like oh man wait a minute wait a minute yeah you're right you know at first, everyone thinks it's just like skinning of the game but it's not no the mm-hmm. op does they change rules significantly for the universe i thought that was super cool Honestly, since we had the interview, I haven't really stopped thinking about playing Monopoly. Stop or it. Or Clue. Stop it. Honestly, really? like, I, I actually pulled Monopoly out the other day, and I'm like, I should play you this. You just stared at it? You I, brought it out of your table? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, Monopoly. And then uh, and then I went to my parents' house, and I grabbed my Disney Monopoly. Really? Brought that back home. And then, I, you know, I work inside our mall, and I go to all the stores that have board games in, and I'm like, I'm going to grab one of these Oh. And I saw and I saw the Dungeons and Dragons one at a store, and I was like, "You would be withhold. mine." <laughs> but uh, I didn't buy it mainly because money, money. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually just gonna say, like, I think it's cool. You know, most people like with us. So I have this term. I'm gonna start throwing around. It's gonna be our podcast term: evolved board gamers. So a regular board gamer is someone who just knows Monopoly, Catan, you know, Seven Wonders. They might just have like the very basic knowledge. An evolved board gamer is someone who's like, oh, you play Catan? Well, Wingspan's brand new, so I play Wingspan, not Catan anymore. Also, you're a hipster of board games. You're kind, yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> you, you've evolved from the regular games, right? right? And to me, it's like Monopoly, IP'd Monopoly, IP'd Clue, IP'd Risk. doesn't appeal to those evolved people but once ross was actually describing it to us and kind of like twisting my knowledge of what i knew and then being like hey no dude dude these are actually better versions actually kind of like turned me to the dark side a bit because i'm like you know what like you're right like these games are more accessible to other people and that's important and if i want to break out a game in front of non-gamers it's easier for me to break out you know rick and morty monopoly i don't know if that exists but rick and morty monopoly is easier to break out than wingspan break out wingspan people look at me like what the hell are you bringing out that literally happened last week did it yeah, when we played Wingspan with Michaela, she's like, what, the, what the hell is this? Yeah, she's she's kind of she's a she's a lighter game, right? right. So when you bring out something that heavy, it's, it's kind of scary, right? Yeah. Or like, or you know, what? I actually sometimes I, I catch myself. People at work ask me, "Hey, Matt, what's a good game?" And I'm like, "So when Wingspan won all the awards, I'm like Wingspan," and then I'm like, "Oh, wait a minute!" And then like these thoughts came rushing back, and I'm like, "Oh, it's actually a lot of like it's hard to play." Yeah. <laughs> but then it was funny because someone at his wife's work recommended it to him, and then he kind of brought it up again to me, and he's like, "You know, we went out and bought Wingspan off someone's recommendation," and I'm like, "Like, look, I'm gonna warn you right now. <laughs> the game is fantastic. It won Game of the Year. You should play it." But your first time learning the rules is going to be like, what, like, am I learning math for the first time again? Like, that's how it feels, right? (laughs) And he actually agreed with me. I talked to him after he played it like five times and he's like, he's like, you're right. The rule book was horrible. Basically, but once I started playing, I I got it completely. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's just, you know, they had the rules are the rules because they want to make sure you understand every intricacy, but the game is actually really easy to pick up and play. Nice. Cool. But anyways, so Monopoly and Clue, I'm super excited for. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? That's a good topic for another podcast. It would be a great topic for another podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you like what you hear, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or hit that follow button on your favorite streaming platform. Is there a game you'd like for us to check out and talk about? Or have you created a game you want us to preview? Let us know by emailing us at info at FridayNight.Games. And don't forget to follow us on all our social medias. Instagram is FridayNightGames underscore official. Twitter at FridayNightGMS. And don't forget we release a new episode every Friday. And remember, it is Friday night. Let's have some fun.